Welcome to Living Newspaper Clippings, a series of conversations recorded remotely online between some of the writers and artists who are creating Living Newspaper at the Royal Court Theatre. Over six editions, Living Newspaper brings together more than 200 freelance artists to make new work about what matters to them now. Alongside these conversations, you can watch clips of the work they discuss and find out about future editions on the Royal Court Theatre website. The following content may contain strong language. Hi, uh, my name's Chris Thorpe and I was one of the writers on Living Newspaper Edition 1. And I'm Ruby Thomas and I was a writer on the Living Newspaper Edition 2. Hi Ruby. <laughs> Hello Chris, how are you doing? Doing alright, how are you? Not bad, you know, not bad, just very much still locked down like we all are. Yeah. It's nice to see into each other's houses though, isn't it, occasionally? Yeah, I, I always forget that people, I don't spend enough time, I think, thinking about the weird um, insight that people are getting into my bedroom. Well, I can Nowadays. see that you've got pictures on the wall, but because of the lighting, I can't see what the content of any of those pictures is. So if That's you were concerned, yeah. <laughs> Good, I'm doing some, some self-censoring through my lighting. Yeah. yeah. So how was it for you then, the living newspaper thing? You were, you were week two, weren't you? Yes, exactly. I was week two. And I think um, it was sort of, I don't know how you found it, but it was sort of unlike any other writing experience because of the way that it happened in terms of, I remember the first time I heard about the whole concept from, I think it was in an email from Vicky Featherston, just outlining where, where it had come from. And then having the, I think there was a first Zoom where she showed us what the design collective had come up with in terms of the space, like all the different like ideas they'd have had about the building. And that's, yeah. that, it was kind of like a unique way to be introduced to a project you were maybe going to take part in because... You, it was it was it really felt like it came from the design in lots of ways for me it felt like it was it was an like I was really inspired and excited by the way they were seeing all the different spaces and thinking about subculture and the substage and then like you know dates in the bar and horoscopes and I, I hadn't I don't think I would have conceptualized it exactly as they did without that yeah. stimulus what about you how was how did you kind of come to it no I remember that really clearly as well you know it it, it was a it was kind of a, a weird mixture, wasn't it? I mean, I was, I guess, um, you know, because I was part of the the group for edition one, I guess there was an additional layer of like, not quite knowing if any of it would work mm. in, in terms of, you know, it's, it's not like you can come to something like this, which hasn't really been done before in this way with a kind of preconceived system that you know mm. is workable 100%. And yeah. then everyone just, picks up their bit and goes with it so there was also that I mean I'm sure there was in in edition two as well there was that added little buzz of like is any of this even going to work but I fully agree that like for me the the thing that made me eventually go ah yeah I I think we've got this was the design collective and the way that they had obviously done such an incredible amount of work and the team at the Royal Court who were kind mm. of realising that and arranging everything. Yeah. So there was this, I mean, 
as part of you know being part of a group of writers, some of whom I knew and some of whom I I didn't know at all. Um, there was also a kind of brilliant tension we had to negotiate between. Yeah. I don't know if this work for you was was for you. I'd be interested to hear what what your experience of this was. But it for me it was between wanting to be yourself and having to be yourself and actually being given really specific things to do because you and me did the weather room. So, mm. you know, obviously we're focusing very much on the, the climate crisis in that room. Mm. Um, but having to balance your own voice and your own, your own writing voice and your own thoughts about how the thing as a whole could be done against you know, allowing everyone else their autonomy so everyone could be as autonomous as possible but find a way to speak with a single voice across the whole thing as well. Mm, mm. Um, because the writing wasn't really collaborative because we were all doing our own bits, but the experience was completely collaborative. And I just absolutely... I was all at sea to start with, but I I was absolutely fascinated with and loved the process as a group of kind of allowing each other autonomy while finding that voice across the whole piece, while at the same time actually not meeting in the middle, like not doing that mm. thing of compromise where we all ended up speaking with this unified voice that was just a bland version of a combination of who we all were, you know, which, right, would have yeah. been, which, which I think would have been the least engaging outcome. Yeah, of course, of course. Is that the first time, would you say that's the first time you've collaborated as a writer beyond obviously the collaboration that you do all the time with everybody, the directors and the stage managers and people who are building sets and actors and things. Is that the first time you've collaborated in a writing sense or not? Is it really different to collaborations you've done before? Because like you well, say, I it's a different thing, isn't it? I mean, I was never really a playwright, playwright, and I'm still not, as in I, I, I write text for theatre, but I came from a devising background. You know, I didn't come from a kind of playwrights group background or mm -hmm. a huge desire to write my own standalone things. So I guess, I mean, that was my original, you know, was uh, introduction to everything, was being a writer as part of a collective. And then subsequent to that, I co-write with people all the time and I make work with people all the time. You know, I've just yeah. co-written the show with Javad Ali Poor that um, we've, we, I mean, we had to be on Zoom, even though we live like a mile apart, but we, we yeah. sat down and we wrote that together for a theatre that asked us to do it. So it's not like the writing isn't a solo process for me, but this felt like a new combination of like being asked to do it specifically because of who you are in the mix of other people that they wanted to put together, but also having to, having to take account of other people in a way that wasn't necessarily about meshing your artistic voice and theirs together as individuals, you know? So it yeah. was a new thing, actually. Do you collaborate a lot? Do you do a lot of kind of co-writing or devising or I haven't really to be honest I haven't I mean I, I was an actor for quite a long time so I was in that sense I've I've been on the on, on like a, the other side of the process so just receiving from a writer and a director and then collaborating as an actor 
because acting always sort of feels collaborative because it's about unless you're doing a one-person show and even then you're reacting to an audience aren't you but you're always reacting to somebody else and taking part in a team effort for the most part whereas writing a lot of it can feel a bit more solitary but I'm co-writing a play with Simon Stevens at the moment which is the first time that I've sat down at the beginning of the process with a person and and in that case we are sort of as you're describing we're doing more of a merging I mean, again, maybe there's always a feeling that you don't want to merge. You don't want to iron out each other's creases, as you say, and and make something that's bland. You're always trying to put a, a sort of semi-explosive like combination of your two voices together, aren't you? As much as you can retain that like yeah, sense of a chemical but, reaction. But I think in that sort of co-writing process that you're talking about with Simon, and and it it's it's a different for me like it's it's different with Javad it's different with Hannah Jane Walker or Rachel Chavkin or any of the people who I've kind of been in that situation with you have to have the relationship that fits the two people that are in the relationship mm-hmm. but I think the the difference is you have like a shared aim there don't you you've yeah. kind of agreed on what the thing you're making is for and you're both you're both having, I mean, if you look at it as living newspaper, you'd both be having to write for the same room. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and so, yeah. How's it going with Simon? Is it, does it feel like, are there points of kind of tension or um, sort of conflict and are they useful? How are they? I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, we just handed in our first draft actually. So right now I feel that kind of combination of like euphoria and, and uh, trepidation. Um, that comes from sharing something when you haven't shared it yet. But I, I, it's, been, it's been really great. I mean, if anything, my temperament, I think, is such that I'm almost trying to hold on to any points of tension because I, I, I think I have, like, the tendency to probably to, like, to try and agree to try and be like, mm, mm, you know, based on what somebody else is saying. So I could use a bit more, like, tension in my collaborating process. But I think... What's been really interesting with that with that was that we didn't start, for example, with the living newspaper. I anyway, I um, I don't know about you, but I pitched, as it were, for the writers room, for the for the weather room. So I said, you know, I'm interested in writing for that space. This is what I'm interested in writing for it. And whereas with Simon and I, we had an open commission, so it's really totally come from a process of communication back and forth. We sort of what we ended up with doing was just writing to each other over quite a long period of time, back and forth, using some stimuli that we'd given each other. We sort of gave each other a film to watch and music to listen to and art to look at, and then wrote back and forth about what we thought of it. And then from there, we've kind of organically come up with a play that we totally didn't plan to write or get asked to write. So that's been fun, because I think often, you know, when you're writing any kind of commission, you're told what you should write and... I guess in both of these processes, it's been a bit more open. Probably the one with Simon, it's been completely open. So something totally organic has formed, which has probably also helped to, for tension to dissipate because it is just one. It's interesting that you feel like you, you know, there's a there's a level below which tension can't fall, though. Um, what do you mean? Well, you know, the thing that you said about one, feeling like you're kind of an enabler and a supporter in that relationship, mm. that's your natural kind of mm-hmm. place to go. And feeling like you need to step up and not be that. Mm. It's really interesting. It makes me wonder if like, and it makes me think about the living newspaper thing and about the way that we managed in big group discussions, like when there were kind of different ideas about 
mm. what direction the thing should go in generally. You know, if tension, if 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 the potential for conflict, um, useful, productive conflict, not argue, not you know, mm. destructive argument. But if the potential for conflict falls below a certain threshold in a collaboration, then perhaps you do need to you do need to just re not you don't need to deliberately create conflict, but you do need to kind of revisit the idea that you are allowed to disagree with each other. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes that's an active process. You have to kind of actively say, you know, are we or are we agreeing because we're because we've made a good decision you know yeah yeah so it it feels really familiar like both in individual terms and in that group dynamic that we've both been through Mm. can i ask you about your i don't want to derail it so so like but can i ask you about your piece yes yeah because i loved it and it was really interesting to see like the same tools used in such a different way. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like going to a house that you used to live in and just seeing that someone's done something incredibly cool with your old bedroom. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, your yeah, living exactly. Room. And I just, I, you know, your, your piece was very much like a single narrative and we don't need to explain, we've been told not to explain because people can actually access them. So, mm. but I... I, I, it's a really obvious question, but I'm curious about it. I just wanted to know to what extent it was autobiographical. And I know that's an awful question to ask a writer. And I know that because when I get asked that about my own work, it makes me want to literally pull my own eyes out. But there you go. <laughs> no, I think it's um, in, it's in, inherent, isn't it? It's like that curiosity is so natural. And, and also I, I brought it on myself because I did it in the first person and... Um, read it myself and things but yeah so it it was um it was pretty much entirely autobiographical I would say uh which is not something I've ever done before um and it really just came from like I say I think it actually came from the design in a way that's um looking at the space and thinking about the idea of it being an enclosed space there being that like there's a sort of perspex or glass box really in the middle of the room and people being able to examine it from all different sides in the live context or online you know seeing it through the lens of a camera but that idea of enclosure then it I suppose it just immediately um chimed with me because we were all in lockdown and then just before lockdown I'd been arrested at this climate protest um and and my sister had been pregnant for most of lockdown and then just given birth before uh, the living newspaper happened although when I first started writing it she was still pregnant which was funny so I just left a little gap for the day of birth and the baby's name which was in the first draft um but uh yeah so so it was I mean it's funny isn't it I don't know if I've I've seen some of your work but I don't know if you write autobiographically as a kind of tendency or if, if you've explored that but it was it was funny to me because when on even on the day of being arrested I just was thinking this is so this is such a theatrical experience. Like police, it's such a strange like performance of the law. And then in that room, you're like, this is mad. This is ridiculous that this is happening. And there's something 
um, so present tense about it and so surreal. And there's funny little lines that people say that you're like, yes, I know about that. I've seen that before. And so, yeah, weirdly, I think I had, I'd wanted to write about it, but I hadn't thought that I would. It hadn't been my intention until this project happened. It's only when the circumstances and the context allow you to revisit something that you you kind of observed, but you wouldn't you wouldn't naturally have written about. But yeah, then exactly. the right, you know. But then someone says, "Here's this room with a glass box, and we need you to write about the fact that with the 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 client, the global climate is screwed." And you think, "I'm really glad I." Yeah, I had a similar experience recently with a piece that I'm writing. It was about a, a you know a, a chapter in my life that I always said I'd never sort of make any theatre about. Mm. Or, or perform about myself, but I, I had the opportunity to think about telling a story in a different medium, and mm. suddenly I thought, ah, it's not that it, that discomfort from talking about myself was that theatre didn't give me the distance mm. from it, and and the other this other way of of talking about this probably does. So I totally relate to that. I mean, did you feel any? I mean, the pieces are really different, but I suppose one thing that that connected them both in my head was like there's a there's a very definite kind of attempt to come to grips with the fact that we might all be fucked mm. in both of them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, is that is that something that I've seen in it that isn't there, or do you do you recognise that as well? Definitely, definitely. I think you can't really write about um, the climate crisis without engaging with that thought. And I mean, I'm interested to know how you found, I really enjoyed listening to your piece as well. And it was funny because it went in the other order. So I was like, oh, this is the house I'm going to move into. Like, what will I do? <laughs> um, but, why um, has he, he put the sofa there? But I don't know how you found because my my always my fear is like a sounding a bit pathetic or b sounding a bit worthy when engaging with like subject because the environment it feels a bit like yeah we all know what we should be doing but none of us are doing it and you're a bit like well that feels a bit inert I mean how did you find approaching the subject matter were you was there anything you were like ah found difficult to approach about it or I understand that feeling about want, not wanting to seem did you say pathetic maybe yeah pathetic, right, or, like yeah, pathetic or worthy mm. I totally understand that fear particularly around subject matter like this and obviously you know my uh the thing that I did for the climate room was an was an extract of a much larger piece that kind of deals with the psychology of how we're right thinking about the climate crisis as individuals mm. um but I totally recognise that fear. And I think my way of getting through it is, like, worthy. I'm, I'm going to leave aside pathetic because I I think we all, you know, that's our deep secret fear, isn't it, as <laughs> writers? That, that's, but in terms of the worthiness, which we probably can do something about, and I don't think existed in your piece at all. I think you 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 swerved that really beautifully. But... For me, it feels like it's one of a series of shells that you have to strip away. Mm. There are, you know, there are so many pieces that try to be about a personal experience or put the the person who experiences it in in a particular situation. But what they don't get past is that shell of kind of acknowledging that um, 
that I am a person telling you the situation and mm. and I understand the limitations of this process. Mm. And sometimes that's really useful and I do use that in shows, but at other times, you know, that that thing, and that comes across, I think, a little bit as worthy, that kind of acknowledgement of the... Um, the potential value or the potential pitfalls of what you're saying. Mm. And, and I think it's just another layer you have to strip away. And like, when you, when you stop worrying about that, maybe you're just in that moment, you're telling the truth a little bit. Yeah. What you just said, I think that's really true. Maybe we were doing a favor because um, we, we didn't have to be in the room. So, like, when you're doing an audio piece, that's useful for stripping away layers. I mean, I had a, a massive favour of having um, Jazz, uh, Jazz Lee Jones as well as the voice yeah. of mine, which was, you know, I mean, it's going to make anything sound good. So I was like... <laughs> <laughs> um, we said, we've got about 30 seconds. We said we'd end on a song, didn't we? Do you want to yeah. choose a song? <laughs> I insist on you choosing. We can harmonise. Uh, all right. Um, let's. I mean, I don't know what your taste is, so let's just do. Uh, let's do all things bright and beautiful. Okay. <laughs> How does it start? Does it, it goes, do we go you just join it. I'll start, and you join. Okay. Right. All, all things, things bright and beautiful. beautiful. All creatures great and small. It's hard with the delay, isn't it? All things wise and wonderful, the Lord God God made them all. It's really nice to talk to you, mate. You too. You too, Chris. Hopefully we'll get to out. We get to meet in real life at some point. Me too. And have a cup of tea. Let's do it. Thanks for joining us for Raw Court Living Newspaper Clippings. To watch clips of the work by these writers and find out more about Living Newspaper, visit royalcourttheatre.com forward slash livingnewspaper or click on the links in the episode notes. <laughs>